Holding Up is sponsored by the North Coast Co-op and Humboldt Hydroponics. You know, uh, the North Coast Co-op, it's no no mystery that it's the favorite grocery store of Humboldt Holding Up. We go there for lunch all the time. Andrew, I know you love the solids. Also the and... Poke Bowls. But I shouldn't, <laughs> say, I shouldn't say that out loud because then there'll be a rush on the Poke Bowl. <laughs> well, anyway, whatever it is that you love, they've got it there at the North Coast Co-op. Go check them out at both Arcata and Eureka. And Humble Hydroponics, they are located at 1302 Union Street. That is uh, right next to the Broadway Cinema, unless in case you don't have a map in, in your brain. Uh, you can visit them there, and their knowledgeable staff will help you with all your growing needs. Humble Hydroponics, locally owned and operated for some time. It's Humble Holding Up. The resulting May flowers you get when there's really not many April showers. My name is Andrew Goff. <laughs> and I'm Stephanie McGarry. We've, we've been having a lot more May showers this yeah, year. Yes, so maybe we get June April. flowers. So I guess we're going to get June flowers for May showers. I don't know. We'll see. We're in uncharted territory. We'll see how this works. Everything's strange. Very and, true. And speaking of strange things. Um, so earlier this week, if you found yourself on the Lost Coast Outpost, you might have read a piece by our colleague, Isabella Vanderheiden, titled, This is a Crisis for Humboldt County. St. Joe's administration issues a call to action in response to a surge of violence uh, against hospital staff. And in that piece, it uh, talks about how St. Joe's has, has seen a dramatic uptick in violence. They've implemented 24-7 security, held de-escalation trainings with staff. The hospital's CEO, Roberta Luskenhawk, uh, attributes this trend to increased mental illness and substance abuse in our community. So go give that a read if you have not already. But today, uh, we wanted to focus on the toll uh, all this violence is taking on staff. Yes. So this week on Humble Holding Up, we are joined by Lauren Van Vleer, who has for about the past three years been a nurse in the St. Joe's ER. Uh, but recently, she has decided to transfer to another hopefully calmer department. Uh, so we thought that Lauren could share a bit about her direct experience with patients suffering from mental health issues, some of the frightening situations that she has encountered, uh, and the yeah. overall stressful and somewhat chaotic work environment that has led her to decide to leave the ER. Yeah, we're super we're super grateful that uh, she'd be willing to talk with us in, in, a, in a public space like this. And we're just hoping to just give people just a better idea of what it's like at the St. Joe's ER in 2022. So right. without further ado, I say, let's get Lauren in here. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Well, if you're ready, if you're ready to go, we can jump right in. Yeah. Okay. So we wanted to have you on today, obviously, to talk about conditions in the St. Joe's uh, emergency department. You know, we've been hearing about how there's a, there's been an uptick in violence directed at staff from patients not just at St. Joe's, but in, in hospitals around the country. Um, in fact, earlier this week, we had uh, an article up on the Outpost uh, exploring this topic in which a local nursing representative called what's happening in the ED a crisis for Humboldt. So obviously all this comes at a time after two years of COVID hell. And for you, Lauren, up until recently, you were a nurse uh, in the emergency department at St. Joe's. Where where are you working now? Well, I have one more week in the emergency department. Okay. Okay. Okay, one more week. And maybe you could just talk a little bit about what your thinking was around wanting to transfer to a new job in the hospital, I, I'll say. Burnout would be the first thing that comes to mind. Healthcare at the bedside in the hospital anywhere can be very stressful, but especially the emergency department, and especially lately, um, I think exacerbated by COVID and all that comes with that, which is violence and psychiatric holds and just feeling like I, it's even harder than ever to, to do my job and to help everyone. And I need a break from that. So yeah. And, and can you say real quickly, like what, what you will be going to after your, your last week in the ER? I'm going to a job in surgery in the PACU, the post-anesthesia care unit. Yeah. Um, so I'll be helping recover people when they come out of surgery. 
and 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 I, I take it that is a, a a less stressful position. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is the idea. Yes. Right. <laughs> or, or you hope at least. To me, yeah. it still sounds pretty stressful. Like I think of that as as yeah, still I mean, a, a high demand job, but like a, maybe a step a step down stress level wise. Sure. I mean, you should have a certain amount of critical care background going into it because people can be unstable coming out of anesthesia and airway management and um, there are complications and it's busy I mean it's there's a lot of surgeries during the day so you're getting patients and you're sending them on their way to the floor or home and then you get another one so I like being busy I like that part of it but minus a lot of the screaming yelling um, other he's around you so you can focus a little bit better on on your patient or two right right well we'll get more into some of the you know troubling stuff uh, in a bit but maybe you could just talk about your time in the emergency department how long were you there so almost three years so a few months before we had COVID hit I did see the you know before and after wow Mm -hmm. yeah and could you kind of just take us through like what what your day would would be like there you know what were your duties what 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 would happen like when you so you get there and what do you what do you do what do you see well we get assigned a certain section of the ER and uh, get report from the nurse that's leaving and continue on whatever their workup is in the emergency department so you know, what are we, what is the patient here for? What do we still need to do? We need to collect these labs. We need to give them these meds where this is what we figured out. This is what we're waiting for to, we're thinking is happening. Um, and that's a typical ER patient is we figure out what's happening uh, medically and they either are admit to the hospital or we kind of figure it out or we might not figure it out, but they're not having an emergency um, that they need to stay in the hospital for and they're discharged. Mm. So a lot of, a lot of discharges and mm. um, admission. So. So what's the, like the volume of patients that you, you, you work with on, a, on any given day? Well, our ratio is one nurse to four patients in the okay. ER. So it just depends on how fast we're, we're doing a workup on a, certain patient it can vary greatly you can have you could have the same patients all day they could be holds that are supposed to go up into the inpatient but there's no rooms and so you're essentially doing inpatient nursing in the er rooms for them Um, they could you could be in a zone where there's a very fast turnover because the acuity is much lower so it's people with I might've broke my wrist and we're doing an x-ray and we're saying, no, it's fine. You get to go home or yes, you have to go follow up with ortho. Some of those can be very quick. And that's mostly what we like doing is the ER nursing where, which is what we expect to do is helping stabilize patients that may have had uh, trauma or just doing some sort of a workup um, and then sending them on their way either to the floor or home. Right. Yeah. So yeah, obviously the, the, the vast majority of cases are not these, you know, super intense, volatile patients coming in. Right. And so like, I say, generally you, you, would you say that you, you liked the work while you're there? Yes. I, yeah, I enjoy emergency nursing very much. I love the yeah. variety. I love helping people. And especially when we get to help them feel better before they leave. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you hear nurses sometimes like refer to their work as, as like a calling. Is that, is that how you look at it? Is like, how did, how did you end up on this, uh, pursuing this path? Of nursing in general? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It took me a longer time to realize it than others. I suppose I was, um, an adult returning student and I guess I've just always, wanted to help people and I like to be busy and uh, feels like a very hands-on tangible way to just help people right in the now so get that reward yeah you mentioned that you started 
at St. Joe's just really a few months before COVID hit, had you been at a uh, another ER previous to that or? No, I, no. I've been in Humboldt and at St. Joe's for five years. I started oh, okay. on the medical surgical floor and then I transferred to the progressive care unit and then to the emergency department. And I went to nursing school in Oregon. So I had done my like clinicals and practicum at another hospital there. But other than that, St. Joe's is the only place that I've worked. Yeah. You mentioned that you kind of got to see a bit of this before and after, you know, with COVID. And can you just explain a little bit like how how it has been, how it's been more stressful and what what things have been like there? Sure. Well, we have to wear all this PPE now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. Yeah. It's fashionable. It's fashionable. Yeah. And well, at first there was actually like nobody in the hospital. Everyone was very scared to come in because they didn't know what COVID was. And then, and there weren't that many cases in St. shows and everyone right. was bringing us food and telling us we were a hero. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we were sitting around. Wow. Yeah. And, and we then, should have reserved that all yeah. that for a little later on and maybe in the, <laughs> in the pandemic yeah. when you needed it more. <laughs> yeah. Then COVID, yeah. we, you know, finally hit the surge hit and everyone was over COVID and they were over masks and they thought we were vaccine pushers and they were not scared of COVID. So they were coming in. So folks that had delayed care originally that probably should have been in the hospital and weren't getting care with primary care because that was especially hard. There were a lot of Zoom calls and problems there. So we had all these COVID cases and then all these extra, I think on top, it felt like um, people had delayed care and and should have been there before, which people do anyway, but yeah. Seemed, it seemed worse. And then the mental health, uh, cr- I, it seemed to be worse. Just uh, people were going crazy, um, just, you know, being in their homes and, and locked down and not having all these, you know, everything with COVID. So um, I think that the mental health, I, I don't know about the numbers, but it, it seemed like more people were sharing with me as their nurse that they were having troubles in that way. We do like a really a, a suicide screen on every single person that comes in. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask them if um, they've had any thoughts of suicide or hurting themselves or history of depression. And then you end up talking to them about that for a few minutes. And um, also what was new is that patients or people in the community that were on a 5150 hold for um, any for a suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, or uh, gravely disabled, they could no longer go directly to Semper Virens. And if they went to Semper Virens presented there, they would put them on a hold and send them to us. Or if they were supposed to go to to jail, they had to come to us first for a lot for uh, COVID tests. Not everyone that was going to jail was getting a COVID test first, but yeah. anyway, having to have the COVID test brought us a lot of extra folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can you can you pinpoint like a moment or you know so, something that happened where? you you started to think like oh this this is starting to become less tolerable for me like this the i i where you you notice like there has been a shift and we are in a different place now as far as people's mental health or you know the, the or the conditions there at the hospital than than we were previously i'm trying to think of an example it was in a way gradual and since i hadn't been in the er for a long time previous Mm -hmm. to COVID, I guess it didn't, I was still kind of figuring out how to do things there for a while that maybe I didn't notice it as much, but I have talked to other people like travelers that come in, uh, travel nurses that say it's 
not like this everywhere. It's really? a problem in general across the country in emergency departments is what I've read, but it's worse in this, in our rural town because we don't have placement for mental health patients. Yeah. So right. it seems like there's, there's more and more hallway patients, which are often the, yeah, the behavior hold patients. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's a problem having enough staffing to take care of all of the people and mm. um, in rooms. And yeah, there, it has gotten, I can't, yeah, I can't think of an exact moment, but okay. yeah. yeah. So, so this 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 rise in violence uh, against staff, and I, I'm 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 pretty sure like you you can talk about specific incidents that you've endured or that you've seen without running afoul of any uh, HIPAA issues, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like so. What so? What exactly does does this look like? I mean, like you, you're um, you know we we hear about this, but like what what have what have you and your your colleagues endured? Well, so like a typical morning recently I can I might come in to work and the charge nurse is not at at their desk and there's a whole bunch of people holding down someone and I you know pick up the phone and call a code gray which is you know there's a violent patient and I, I may help strap somebody down into a restraint and help administer a sedative medication like First thing, like that happened one day, like that was the first thing, 6 a.m. Wow. And then I'm like, okay, where, where am I going now? Where's my assignment? Yeah. Like, or I am helping a patient in their room and I kind of just hear a scuffle and some grunting and I look outside the door and on the floor is the security guard that has um, one of the patients in like a, a chokehold on the ground. <laughs> Constantly, I'm trying to rationalize with um, folks about why they can't leave, about why they can't go have a cigarette, about, mm. you know, they're maybe screaming and yelling and throwing things and banging their head against the wall. And the other patients are very scared sometimes. And I have gotten somewhat desensitized where I'll kind of look at something and okay, security's over there and I'm busy. So I'm tasking away. Just, I can't, you know, you know, stop and think about it too much. Like one time I had uh, a patient that brought in and he may have said that he was suicidal and they had brought him into the trauma room, which is not usually a, a place where we put violent patients because they're all of the sharp things in that room, but yeah. it's kind of ready for a very acute patient. And also we've gotten away from what I was doing was in the back of the room charting. He came in and he was restrained while the cops were there. And then they kind of talked to him like, you're going to be cool. Right. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to be cool. He seemed to be talking to me. Okay. And I felt like, okay, we have like a relationship, like it's, it's going okay. He's being cooperative. And I was just tasking away like, okay, I got to get this triage done. I got to go see this other patient. Like, um, and I had taken his belongings, which is something that we do initially is take their belongings. And now we have to have security with us to go through all of them. And, and we, make sure that the law enforcement stays with us now um, until they're like undressed and all of their belongings are gone. But anyway, he had his belongings outside of the door and I was in the back of the room and asking him some questions. And then all of a sudden he, he lunged out the door, grabbed his bag, took out a giant glass bong that I did not know was in there. Oh my gosh. And he smashed it. <gasps> then he started slight, slight cutting his wrists oh, and, Jesus. and running all over the hospital, dripping blood. Oh. And the sheriffs happened to be in there with another patient. 
and they pepper sprayed him and then our security pepper sprayed him. And then there were multiple staff members that got pepper sprayed and mm -hmm. it took a while to restrain him. He was a very large man. I think he was on some sort of a substance that made him um, especially angry. Yeah. But, um, I, I felt relieved that he didn't lunge towards me because I was very, I was like trapped in that room, but it's kind of, it could have gone, you know, that way, but it didn't. But anyway, yeah. it was a very, yeah. So, so, so obviously, you know, th things like this have 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 always happened, right? But, but we're talking about is just like the 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 increase and how the, how the, the the frequency of you having to deal with cases like this ha has has gone up significantly. As hospital staff, what are what are you trained to do to to deal with these kind of in, intense situations? Um, so we do have a, an online module that we've always done for workplace violence that teaches us some tips at like de-escalation and also we do an in-person evade, I forget what it stands for, but it's like a, a training that we go to yeah. in person and learn some defensive moves, which I never remember, um, but mostly I remember de-escalation and running and letting letting them go if they're wanting to they're on a hold and they want to leave just let them run out the doors mm. like don't jump in the way yeah. and then we'll call the cops and they will probably bring them back and but, but one one thing you are told to do is to is to run away from certain situations well <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah not not being i mean i don't yeah sure i guess yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. or at least not don't run towards towards it, at least. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. I'll just get out of their way. And my, my role is, you know, if I see somebody amping up, I will call security or I will call a code um, gray and, or I will tell the doctor that we, you know, need some medications or restraints, trying to do that before it gets really bad. I'm yeah. not the one, I'm not the one to run towards the code gray i'm okay more yeah. female so it i haven't experienced the you know being actually assaulted i've had you know something thrown at me before that i died yeah. but um but i feel bad for my coworkers that are the bigger guys that come to these that you know go towards it to help uh, maybe mm. restrain somebody and and have been have been assaulted. Wow. Can can you speak to that? Some some of the things that have that you've seen uh, happen to some of your colleagues. Well, in yeah, in the midst of uh, starting to get you know, trying to restrain somebody, there have been a couple times that he's been punched. Um, but I I don't know other than that that I've been present. I've heard of other situations but mm. well so as you mentioned you know a lot of these more difficult patients uh, are people that are being brought in on on 5150 holds you know people who are experiencing extreme mental health episodes maybe you can talk a little bit about how law enforcement and and hospital staff interact with each other like how how do these handoffs go sure so what epd can bring we'll we'll bring folks in for a number of reasons there have always been uh, people from jail or prison that come in for a medical evaluation, like they're already there and something's going on and they need to come in and get checked out. And for the most part, law enforcement stays with them the entire time. They're still in custody. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they need a medical clearance. They're on their way to jail. Uh, they have a heart, high heart rate or high blood pressure. And so they're not going to accept them there. They want to make sure they're not having something serious going on before they get there. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes it's like, they're, they're probably on a substance that's doing this and maybe they sit there for a little while and we recheck it and maybe it's better and then they go back. Yeah. Uh, they have a DUI and they are, are saying, I, I'm not, I'm, I didn't drink, so they have to come in and get a blood test. Um, or again, their, you know, their blood pressure is high and sometimes they'll, they'll be tired of waiting and they'll decide they're not going to 
take the patient and they'll leave them there. That's happened a couple of times. Um, and then we have to figure out how to get them home. But, mm. um, and then also out in the community, they'll find somebody uh, that um, they, they put on a hold, EPD can put someone on a hold. And so now the, the procedure is to come to the ER and they'll get their, their medical clearance. And then we will request with Semper Virens, um, which is the local place, unless they're pediatrics, but you know, that they get placed there. Mm. What about, I mean, some of this seems to be like a space issue too. Do you encounter Semper Virens not having space sometimes? And then what would be the protocol at that point? Well, that's all the time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yesterday we had 12 holds in the ER. Mm-hmm. We're a 20-bed emergency department. Mm-hmm. Um, 12 psychiatric holds. Wow. So, and it's not good care for anybody. They are lying in the beds, lining the hallways under bright lights, um, not getting showers. They can't go out to smoke. They are in the hospital gowns and it's not a therapeutic environment. And they have Just- been there a long time. Just to be clear what you're, what you're saying, you're saying that you in the hospital yesterday, you had 12 people who would otherwise have been at Semper Virens had Semper Virens had the space to house them. Correct. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you, do you feel like, you know, in these, in these situations that you have adequate support from, from law enforcement? Like it's not, it's not that they're like, you know, sloughing some of their responsibilities out off on you or, or anything. They're, they're, they're there, they're present, they're, um, they're assisting. Like. Yes, they, they're doing everything in their power. It feels okay. like they're working with us. I think they have limited um, staff as well. So we, yeah. so, you know, we call them, they come. And sometimes I think all the EPD that are on at the, you know, for the city are in the ER, <laughs> but they'll be there if, you know, and yeah. they're really great about, you know, helping if somebody that's there on a hold is worried about their dog, you know, going and following up and getting that figured out, um, mm. coming back and checking on people um, that they know from the community. So, um, but I know our manager has, suggested um, having a substation in in the ER, which I've heard um, is done in other ERs. And I don't think that they're against it. I think that they just don't have the staff to make that happen. But I don't, I okay. am not really involved. These are just some things that I've heard. Yeah. Okay, possible. Uh, other than other than that, is there is there anything else you think could could be done differently to, to ease the strain on everyone involved? Someone could open another psychiatric facility. Okay. And, yeah. And maybe a, a, another dentist's office too, but. Okay. <laughs> definitely uh, agree that those would both be very useful things. I think some people are, are working on it, uh, at least expanding some of the capacities a little bit. Just another reminder that Humble Holding Up is brought to you by the North Coast Co-op. And as somebody who uh, operates, works in Old Town Eureka. Let me just say, when those lunchtime hunger pangs hit, I find myself drawn to the salad bar at the North Coast Co-op. What I do is I I go, I take the spinach. I really go overboard on the the, the tofu chunks. And (laughs) then some, you know, a bunch of onions. I also, I'll throw some chicken in there with the tofu. I go heavy on the protein stuff is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it as much like not a vegetable salad as possible. (laughs) It was really hard for me. You know, the the salad bar went away during COVID for obvious reasons for a little bit. Um, I remember that was really hard on you. It was really hard on me, but it's back. I really, I, I, I like a, I like a fat salad. Well, there's no place better to make yourself a fat salad than at the uh, North Coast Co-op. So let's, let's go get a salad right now, Andrew. I can't wait. Right now. So Steph, there's a bunch of grow shops in Humble, right? I think so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and and one of those happens to be Humble Hydroponics, which is located at 1302 Union Street. Do you know where that is? Uh, yeah, of course. That's right. Over by, uh, the Broadway cinema. 
That's correct. Yeah, there you go. And Humble Hydroponics is committed to helping their community through tough times by providing discounts, keeping prices down whenever possible. Oh, well, do, do they have soils, oh, nutrients, yeah. supplements? Yes. yes. Yeah. What about trellis, bamboo sticks, watering tools, pH uh-huh. solutions? Generally liquid. Look, they have lighting, LED and otherwise, trays, inserts, perlite, rock wool, fans, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. They have everything. And, and where is Humble Hydroponics located again? 1302 Union Street. Right. Right by the Broadway Cinema. Uh huh. That's right. Give them a call at 707-443-4304. I, I was going to ask. So just to say, you know, there's not space for somebody. They're just in this bed in the in the hallway. I mean, how long before whether or not there's some place else for them to go that, that, that they're just discharged from from the hospital? Well, they're getting, they're on a 72 hour hold, but don't get any credit for being in the ER because it's not, we're not doing anything therapeutic for them. Right. So it's just like a limbo place. And I think that's misunderstood too, is like a primary care doctor might tell their patient like, oh, you're suicidal, go to the ER. And they have no idea when they show up that they might be in the ER for a week living in the hallway before they even go anywhere. Like, oh my gosh, I just want to go home now. But so they they don't usually go home from the ER. So there are some doctors that have um, the special training that they can write the 5150s and they can rescind the 5150s. Mm-hmm. Most of them that can do that are pretty weary to do it mm-hmm. um, because they just don't, often have time to feel like they can really fully evaluate this person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have, there is a mobile response team that comes in ideally every day and meets with, um, well, we've been on Zoom for a long time or not Zoom, but like a little iPhone call. Right. Face chat and they, they talk to these patients and they can sometimes, um, they can decide to rescind a hold. So that is possible. Um, And then there may be staffing issues there. So they can be in the ER for a couple of days, especially weekends and not get their, um, their face chat with the mobile response team. Um, And they could have maybe been rescinded and gone home, but they're just kind of sitting around. And if they would have gone to Semper Virens, the crisis unit they used to have, um, if they could have been brought there immediately, maybe rescinded immediately. Oh. And the, the ER docs mostly write 1799s and- What's that? <clears throat> so that's a, that's a 24 hour hold. Oh, okay. Um, like you've come, maybe you um, overdosed and we're pretty sure it's um, intentional or we did a suicide screening and you said, yes, I wanted to hurt myself. And then the ER doc will do a 1799 until the patient can be evaluated by um, a mental health professional that can write write those the, the longer mm-hmm. seventy two hour fifty one fifty holds. Mm-hmm. I gotta say it sounds uh, it it sounds like a complicated nightmare. It's just, it just seems like you know everyone's trying and and but the 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 wave that is crashing over you is just too too large <laughs> for you to sure. maintain. Yeah. No, yeah nobody's winning it feels like because we're we're working really hard and we're exhausted and the patients are you know not getting the care they need if anything it's making things worse in that environment Mm. um so 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 i know you said uh, you know we said like deteriorating mental health is is a nationwide problem and, and it's not one that anyone seems to have a good answer for. Um, so I'm not going to ask you to solve it here today, but you know, maybe you could just talk a little bit about like, what are the common denominators you see in the people who come in, you know, experiencing problems that, that lead them to the point of crisis. I know you said, uh, you, you mentioned that the isolation from COVID was, was really a strain on people. Is there, is there anything else that you see as kind of a, a trend in, in what you're seeing? Well, Yes, some of it was the isolation and loss of jobs and okay. maybe 
yeah, issues with school and housing and all of those are issues that make somebody um, feel like they might want to live anymore or, um, but it's, it was definitely worse with COVID. Yeah. Would you say, would you say poverty like uh, would be a, a common factor? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, a lot of times there, people are really frustrated not being able to get the healthcare that they need, yeah. the support that they need, just really, you know, down, down on their luck. I just lost my job. I just lost my place to live. Yeah. I, so yes. Yeah, I, I, t I tend to think like there seems to be a really um, an absence of hope in in a lot of people right now. Like there, uh, there's not a lot of you know, it's going to get better in 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 people at this at this moment. And I don't know if if it's uh, just a, a Humboldt problem or a California problem or a United States problem or a world problem. It just, it seems like a lot of people are just exhausted. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we definitely see the downstream of all of that in the ER. Yeah. Well, so what are some of the ways that the, the hospital has been responding to the to the mental health crisis you know you talked earlier about uh, about you know some of the the newer security protocols and and about it seems like staff already received some amount of de-escalation training but if uh, you know I think you know I saw that the administration was implementing, you know, more de-escalation training. No, <laughs> you're making a face like maybe yeah. not, but. I don't know that I've noticed that. I think we didn't yeah. have played in person because of COVID for a while, but we did have it before. So I think it's just an annual evade. And I did note, you know, I signed up for that recently. And I just okay. like, I think that's just what we're supposed to do every year. Okay. The, we have the same module that gets assigned online and I am sorry if I'm forgetting something I <laughs> that's what I'm I'm thinking of and then security wise we've always had a 24-hour security guard in the at the front in the lobby and then we would call them back to the ER if we needed them but they I believe have implemented another security guard to make rounds in around the rooms and yeah. so that's so that's new that doesn't seem like a big, like a big change, though, to me for what you're describing when I hear you talking about like this level of chaos. I mean, are there other things that the do you feel like the hospital has been respo responding to this appropriately? It seems like everybody is concerned. And mm. I don't know. I don't know for sure what else they're doing behind the scenes. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. sure. I know I mean I've seen law enforcement visit frequently uh -huh. they will they have increased how often they might stop by and show their support and just kind of check in okay um, so they've been really great about trying to you know make us I mean, I, yeah well that's that's what i was going to ask you just straight out like from the the hospital administration do you feel heard and do you feel supported i have not personally reached out i my manager has been working tireless, tirelessly, yeah. you know, um, and I know she really wants that substation. She said she'd be willing to give up her office. Um, that yeah. would be really cool, but I don't know. Yeah. That's not something the hospital can do. I, and I mean, getting the extra security guard to be in the back um, is great. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, we have kind of the same um, procedures. Uh, policies where we you know, call a code gray and there's certain people in the hospital that respond. Yeah. Would you say that the, the burnout that, that you experienced that made you decide to want to go to uh, a more calm uh, position in the hospital, you would say that's widespread uh, throughout the hospital? Yeah. Um, th throughout all the departments? Well, I mean, we'll, we'll start with DER and then the hospital yeah. at large. I Yeah, I do think it has, yeah, the violence and in, in the emergency department and just that extra stress has made it, yes, it's made more people feel 
more stressed. Yeah. What, what, what was kind of the internal reaction to um, the baby goats? <laughs> I if, people, if, if people don't know, there's like the, the, we, there was this big thing uh, a few weeks back where you know, the hospital called in uh, media to come note that they were offering baby goats to staff to pet uh, as sort of a, a therapeutic uh, you know, mental health benefit. Uh, and I, I don't know, I, 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 it was humorous to me. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I heard a couple people went over there. There weren't, they weren't offered for that great of a period of time. So it was like a couple okay. of days. So if you weren't- Not enough them, baby goat time. Yeah, <laughs> they should have brought them uh, to the nurse station. <laughs> All right, okay. I can understand why that could present some issues uh, on top of everything else you're dealing with then you have a bunch of baby goats running around and they poop maybe, when they want yeah maybe it could be a good way to deal with to help some of the the people with men, mental health crises in there yeah. Yeah. permanent permanent goats on staff yeah the patients needed them but yeah. right. i mean hey any way that they want to add to try to help and support us okay like, <laughs> it's, it's i'm good. just like that's fine you know like i'm not against the baby goats that's cool. okay 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 right <laughs> i went to the baby goats and thought it was very cute and, ador <laughs> and adorable and covered it but then yeah i what it does make me have to wonder and i think what andrew's getting at too is like is something like that actually very helpful or would it be better to offer you know some some other type no. of support. No, uh, not that, that it's an either or situation. Right, I right, mean, like, right. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure some people were thrilled about it, but some people were probably like, oh, cool. I've been working, you know, an 80 hour sh shift and some, somebody just punched me and oh, cool. You're offering me a baby yeah. goat. To <laughs> sure. Yeah, some people thought it was, you know, a joke. Yeah. 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 Well, of course, we're now really recently, again, having a little bit of a surge in COVID cases, but, you know, with Omicron, you know, the situation isn't probably quite as, as dire as it has been in, during some past surges. I mean, do you, do you feel like some of these issues are, are subsiding at all? It's like the, you know, some of it, it seemed to go along with COVID. Are, are you feeling like there is less of of this environment, less of these 5150 volts, or? It feels like there's more. Wow, okay. Oh, if that's yeah. true. It feels like there's more people in the hallways all the time. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and it's, it's also really frustrating because when we have the rooms available, we try to put the patients in there, we can turn off the lights and give them like some quiet time and especially if they're kind of hard to that if they're not cooperating and they're just very loud and running around and we try to kind of contain them into the room so they're not bothering other patients and we have to strip these rooms down completely which because there's all this equipment set up for a medical patient that's having an emergency when they come in there's all mm -hmm. these boards there's suction and there's tubing for different examination lights and um, anyway so when a psychiatric patient is there we have to take all the cords out and lock them up into a closet and then if a, a medical patient comes in that's very acute or just you know another ambulance comes in then okay, it's time to move them back to, out to the hallway. And then we have to like reset up these rooms. And it's, it's very frustrating and, and dangerous if we can't you know, do it fast enough and have everything ready. Um, and, and then uh, you know, if we don't get all those things cleared out and we have had patients that have had access and, and tried to hurt themselves you know, in, in the emergency department when you know, we don't have a constant care attendant or every, not every last thing we, you know, miss something, we do our best, but um, anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up, I suppose, too. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I, just want to, I just want to ask this, like, how, how you doing? Yeah. It was like, I, I know that, you know, like working in a hospital, I, I, I worked at a hospital uh, at, um, at St. Joe's actually year, years and years ago. And I know, I know that like, you know, we're talking about you know, violence and COVID 
uh, and, and those are stressful things, but like working in a hospital generally is, is stressful. You're, you're dealing with life and death sure. uh, anyway. And so I, I always found like the people that worked there and that made it, you know, had a, a, a sort of, of toughness to them. Um, like, and do you feel like, do you feel that, I don't know, you're, you're this, this, this situation that you're, you've, you've decided to, you know, kind of extract yourself um, from like, do you feel like that you're gonna uh, carry with you any lasting effects from it, or, or I don't know, like what, what's, what? I guess I don't know exactly what I'm asking. But like, are, how, well, I'll go back to my initial question: How you doing? Yeah, how is it? I impacted you, I, I suppose. I think just being a nurse in general, uh, you have to work on self care. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a full time job. And I prioritize it um, completely in order to be there fully when I go to work for myself and for other people. So just really focusing on sleep and exercise and all those things so that I can just like prepare mm. to go to war, <laughs> like I say, mm. you know, like battle. Wow. Yeah. So I'm doing okay. I mean, I think I do a decent job, but I think I could do I'm ready to, to focus more on my personal life, to feel, to leave work and feel um, less just drained and amped up and, and just reliving these experiences, that, you know, in my head for like a while um, and feeling just like all day, I'm working so hard. Like I'm not, maybe getting to my breaks or getting to the restroom or, and then people are just all day telling me I'm doing a terrible job. Mostly they're just angry at me and <laughs> I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to a unit as a nurse where um, I can give better care and I don't need to be thanked, but I can feel like I'm really helping that one or two patients really doing all the things that I need to do yeah. no barriers to, to that. So as you're moving toward these greener, calmer pastures, do you anticipate that a part of you will miss some of the chaos at all? Yes. It was yeah. in a lot of ways, it was a difficult decision because I really like being in the ER. I like, I love my team. Mm -hmm. They're amazing people that, choose to work there and can work there and yeah, choose to go back. And we have these just crazy things that we do together and help each other. And my manager is amazing. I feel like she's working so hard to make things better. And I wanna be a part of the change of making things better and not leaving. Yeah. And I love the variety and all the things I get to see um, and just that atmosphere of, of, of teamwork. And, um, but yeah. anyway, so we're going to, I'm going to try something different for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you, 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 you worked, you worked in an emergency department during the COVID-19 pandemic. Like, yeah. I think you could hold your head high <laughs> as, yeah. uh, and, and know that you, you, you made a difference. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I did have a COVID patient yesterday that was being admitted. So there, there are still. Yeah, it's still happening. Yeah. Way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we're just clearly seeing a little bit of a of a surge again. Well, I, you know, I think that that's pretty much all that we had for you today. But thank you so much for joining us and and yeah, you know, being candid about your experiences. I think that you gave us a picture of what it has been like there. That that I, I don't think either of us re really fully uh, grasped yeah. prior to this conversation. So I do really appreciate that. Is there anything else that you want to add or you feel that, that we didn't touch on today that you'd like to, to mention? No, I wish yeah. that we could have come up with an answer. You want to, yeah, <laughs> well, we, could, we, we could do a second hour and just like just brainstorm solutions. Solutions to, to this, yeah. The rampant yeah. inequality that seems to be uh, leading to people's, well, um, sorry, I'm gonna yeah, go on a ta tangent all. there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But 
you for your work too, for helping oh. get the message out to the community. And I don't know what mm -hmm. we can do, but. What does it say? Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. And we'll, 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 we'll let you go and good, good luck in the uh, easier job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. Thank you so much again to Lauren Van Vleer for joining us today and speaking about her experience in the ER. I definitely learned some things uh, that I really had no idea about. I know that it has been stressful uh, with COVID and I, I read Izzy's story, and but I had no idea really how chaotic it seems to be there yeah you know my, my takeaway you know obviously there there are larger questions here but i was trying to think like what what can i do and the the, the dumbest easiest thing I, I thought i would just be like just be nice to nurses you know like i had to go to the hospital recently and it's a, it's a high stress situation nobody's in there is having their best day and yeah. i you know i was on on edge and but you know these people, especially considering the, what the past two years have been, you know, thank a nurse. Just thank a nurse for being a nurse because this is this is one of the one of the things that is holding us together as a society. And uh, I really maybe we don't appreciate them enough. So anyway, send in positive vibes uh, towards uh, St. Joe's staff direction, and uh, we thank you for listening in. Yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Once again, we want to remind our listeners that Humble Holding Up is generously sponsored by the North Coast Co-op. You know, as somebody who lives at Arcata and works in Old Town, I spend an awful lot of time going to the co-op, both for my grocery shopping and lunch eating needs. Yeah. What about you, Goff? Well, I mentioned the salad, but the other thing <laughs> I get often is the, uh, I get the, the, the sushi, you know, they got the the sushi oh, yeah, yeah. stand there and I, I go and I'll get the the the, the poke bowl. You ever had the poke bowl? Oh yeah. I love the poke bowl. And I also oh. love the the popcorn tofu. That's a that's a fan favorite, I'm told. Very popular in, in Humboldt County. They refer to it as hippie crack. Am I not you heard it here first. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think uh, you've you've personalized the product. And uh, everybody's going to rush down to the North Coast Co-op to get that hippie crack. That's right. Check out the North Coast Co-op, a Humboldt's organic community-owned grocery store since 1973. Mike, you're like kind of a, a gardener or like a landscaper of sorts, aren't you? <laughs> you I have, have some land. <laughs> Okay. Well, a lot of folks in Humboldt County are. And uh, for those people, a great place to go check out is Humboldt Hydroponics. Yeah. You know of this? Yeah, they're over on 1302 Union Street in Eureka. That's by Broadway Cinema. Yes, that is that is right. And and these guys are very knowledgeable. Their staff, they're familiar with Humboldt's climate, so they can help you with your, your indoor and outdoor growing needs, whatever those may be. They got yeah. lighting, soils, pH solutions, fans, trays, all that, all that stuff. All yeah. that, you know, you know this That's stuff. Handy. <laughs> exactly yeah. so you got to check them out they're they're locally owned and operated now if i buy a big old uh, uh, bag of, of soil or, or or whatnot do i am i gonna have to haul that myself the, like, if I got, like put it in my truck myself i mean is, is what i'm getting at there no you don't have to do that that's the one of the other great things about humble hydroponics yeah. is the staff will will help you load up your truck they'll even help with a curbside pickup you know, if you need, if you want to do that, okay. just give okay. them a call. Give them a call to, to figure out how they can help you. It's 707-443-4304. Humboldt Hydroponics, helping you with all your growing needs.